There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So hello and welcome to Charlton Live. This is the latest of our isolation busting podcast uh, coming to you. Well, not live, uh, but from my my spare bedroom. So there you go. Uh, I hope you're all well. Um, joining myself, Louis Mendes here on this week's podcast uh, via telephone, of course. We've got, um, well, who have we got first? Benji Cloak. How you doing, Ben? Yes, all good. Thank you, Louis. Yeah, having a good isolation? Not bad, yeah. Not bad. Slowly getting there with everything, but yeah, not bad. Enjoying it so far. Yeah, lovely stuff. Yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird situation to be in, isn't it? But as long as you just stay at home, I'm sure you can make your own fun. Uh, who else have we got? We've got Tom Wallin on the phone. How you doing, Tom? Yeah, not bad. Thanks, mate. Yeah, how are you finding it? How's uh, your other half's uh, working with the NHS, of course? So she's she's a bit of a hero, and you're just a bit of a loser sat at home, aren't you? Pretty much, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, it's an experience, I'll tell you that. But yeah, uh, yeah we're doing all right, thank you. Yeah, how's the cat? Uh, he's absolutely fine. No yeah. idea what's going on. So he's just pleased to have company all day. Just, he looks haunted in some of the photos I've seen, but we won't go too far into that. And um, <laughs> uh, also joining us uh, on the phone uh, is, of course, Mr. Nathan Muller. How you doing, Nath? Living the dream. Hello, boys. How are you? <laughs> Yeah, all good, all good. Um, it's good to have you all uh, on the phone then for this week's pod. Um, we're, we're doing something slightly different this week. There hasn't been too much really to talk about in terms of current affairs at the club. I, I saw there were some fake season ticket prices going around for a few few, few hours, but um, uh, the club are saying they aren't the season ticket prices that people are going to actually have to pay later on. So I uh, wouldn't pay too much attention to that uh, just yet. But as a sort of become the tradition now for... Uh, the the Saturdays, the club are, are doing their own little thing. They're putting on DVDs that you can watch for free on the club website to sort of take a walk down memory lane. And this week they put on a really good one. It's the Pride and Premiership DVD. So this this was bought out just after we got relegated from the Premier League uh, back in 2007. And they ranked the top 20 games that we'd ever had in the Premier League. You know, the the 4-2 win at Highbury, the 3-2 win with Kevin Lisby's hat-trick against Liverpool at the Valley. Those sort of games. Now, obviously, last week we we sort of went through and did a run-through of the 2011-12 season because that's what they did. Now, obviously, we, we thought we could do the same thing that they've done this week on the club website. But we thought, no, this week we're going to put our own little spin on it. So we're doing our own Pride and Premiership style thing. We're thinking of our favourite games in the Premier League era. But I gave the guys a little caveat. They can only pick games which aren't on that DVD. So you can't go for the the, the obvious games, the wins against Liverpool and, and, and the big wins, you know, or the free-free draw with Man United, for example. So I've asked the boys and myself to pick games that were special to us within the Premier League era. 
Now, of course, there's some great wins in there. And there's some games you may not have remembered because, of course, they're not in the, the standard top 20. There's also some heavy defeats in there or some losses, which I guess is quite unusual. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to run through. We've, we've all picked three games each. Um, hopefully we'll get about an hour's worth of stuff out of this. So we'll talk about some of our favourite memories of the Premier League era, uh, but pa perhaps some of them a little bit left field. Some of them you'll remember fondly as well, though. And uh, I think, first of all, we're going to dive straight into a game that Tom Wallin picked. So, Tom, get ready to, to come in. Uh, we're going to go back to the 5th of December, a special date, of course, uh, for Charlton fans, because uh, that was the day we returned to the Valley in 1992. But in 2006, uh, Charlton's uh, run of good luck uh, on that specific date continued when Blackburn visited the Valley. This is surely the last chance of the game. The two minutes of stoppage time have elapsed. It's El Kakuri, it's in! Sad freedom. Favours that side it. His goal makes no attempt for it whatsoever. It's a well-struck shot with Karkuri, but it doesn't exactly go into the corner of the net. Les reaction. There we go as Talal El last-minute winner uh, against Blackburn Rovers in what would turn out to be Charlton's uh, relegation season. But, Tom, it was your choice. Um, I'll bring you back in. Tom, why don't you explain uh, why that game in particular stood out to you? Yeah, a number of reasons, really. Um like I said to you guys before, obviously I didn't come down to that many games a season when I was wasn't living around this area. Um, used to come down with my granddad, and that was one of the games we got to that season. Obviously, not a great season, but um, came down and obviously being nil nil and with us struggling and Les Reed yet to get a win, it was obviously a very difficult time for for the club as a whole. Um, but we used to come down, you know, in pretty positive spirits, and El Kakuri was. <laughs> probably my favourite player at the time he was a bit of a maverick you know he scored that obviously that wonder goal against Arsenal he was a bit of a, a crazy guy he scored one I think from the halfway line didn't he that, maybe that same season against Sheffield so he was just a great player to watch and I remember him getting that free kick and it was about 94-95 minutes in and uh, everyone around where we were sitting every single person was saying not him don't let him take it it's <laughs> going to go into the back of the cover then please don't let him take it and then you could just see that little gap round the wall and uh, he found it. And I, to that point, I had never seen the Valley rock like that before. Mm. It was just an incredible, incredible atmosphere. And it was just one of them little moments in that season. There were a couple of them, I remember, where you just thought maybe we would be able to turn it around. Mm. And obviously we know how that season then panned out and we'll come on to a couple of other games in that season a bit later on. But it was just a really, a really special moment for me personally to be there with my granddad who isn't able to come as much these days um, and just one that I'll, I'll really treasure because it was kind of our favourite player scoring such of what we thought at the time would be such a crucial goal in, in a big season yeah. and uh, to do it against what everybody around us was saying was just unbelievable. Yeah, you mentioned uh, it was Les Reed's, it was, I think it was his only win, wasn't he, in his, in his yeah. sort of short tenure uh, as Charlton manager. Now, I've got my own weird personal story about this. I mean, I, I did have a season ticket back then, of course, but this was um, on a Tuesday night, and I used to work nights at Sainsbury's on Tuesday nights, uh, so I couldn't go to this game. And I remember sat there in the canteen, sort of just before my shift started, um, waiting waiting for the final score to rock up on Teletext. And then someone texts me saying, oh, it's finished nil-nil. And I assumed that they must have got that information from somewhere. So I went down to start my shift and spent the first three hours of my shift assuming that we'd drawn nil-nil. Uh, before going up to read the uh, the match report on Teletext about one o'clock in the morning and finding out that we'd actually uh, won the game and obviously being in a bit of shock, there was Talal El Kokori. Um, I mean, Ben, you, you remember Talal as a player? Um, he wasn't. I think Maverick's probably a fair a fair way to describe him. 
Yeah, I think <clears throat> that he he was a bit of a, a nutter, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. um, he? He didn't he didn't shy away from shooting out uh, outside the box at all as a centre back. I'm sure Curbs was pulling his hair out sometimes, going, "No, no, no, don't do that." But uh, my own memory from that game was uh, quite a memorable one as well, to be fair, because uh, I live in Twickenham. And uh, my, my dad always was like, quick, we've got to get the last train home. We've been rubbish, nil-nil, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, nope, I'm staying. We could do this. And then when that free kick uh, popped up, and as Tom said, uh, he just um, side-footed it rather than pelting it normally, or he normally did, into the corner, I uh, I was so pleased to get down uh, to Charlton Station after that. And my dad was still there. <laughs> uh, he'd, missed the, he'd missed the train he was hoping to get on. And I was like, well, <laughs> you missed it. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I did enjoy that mm. one. I'm sure. I'm sure it was Talal El Kakori once as well. Going back to how much of a maverick he was. Who um, I think we were playing Norwich at home, and we think we won four 0 There's absolutely no needle in the game, and and bizarrely, like the ball, he we were defending the Jimmy Seed stand end of the ground, and the ball just fell to him inside the penalty box. And he had as much time as he wanted to turn around and clear it up the park. But for some reason, he just booted it as hard as he could into the first row of Norwich fans. It was uh, absolutely bizarre. But like we say, a bit of a maverick. And that was one of his uh, more special moments uh, at the Valley. Now, look, let's move on now to Nathan's first choice. Um, this uh, is a, uh, another happy occasion at the Valley. Uh, we go back to November 2003. And the visitors uh, for a London derby were Fulham. Nice control. Petru for Jonathan Johansson. Van der Sar pushed it away to Stewart. Set up by Jensen and then Johansson. Van der Sar could only parry. And despite losing his balance, Graham Stewart did very well to recover and to score. Headed cross this time. Yule. Johansson! It looks like it's going to be Charlton's day. Melville left it short. Oh, and Johansson scored again. It's a calamitous piece of defending. And Jonathan Johansson, having gone nearly eight months without a goal, has now scored twice in the space of six minutes. Legwinski. Both posts. Sean Davis scores on his return. There we go, a 3-1 win uh, over Fulham at the Valley. Nathan, uh, why don't you tell us why you picked that game? Uh, well, I mean, I, like, I think Tom said there were so many games that we could have picked up apart from the, the, the you know, top 20. But, but, I mean, for me, I mean, at the time, I mean, it was still, I know it was only November, but I think we were um, we were, we had, we were in a bit of run of form. I think we had four wins and a draw in last, well, I think we were in the Champions League places and I think Fulham were just outside it. And I think at the time, Fulham had some had a really good squad and um, they were managed by Chris Coleman at the time and it's it's difficult because obviously I, I grew up in the, the Premier League years at secondary school so I can remember quite a lot um, but in terms of obviously the younger fans that probably haven't seen it um, there'll be a lot of players that they probably didn't realise how good they were and I mean they have people like Van der Sar was in goal we had Mel Bronk you had Barmore and Louis Sahara up front who were absolutely frightening and I think it was just I remember that just the game where even though we were in a good run of form I still was quite um, what's the word am I looking for? No, you know, I didn't expect us to to beat everyone every week. I knew it would end soon, but I think the whole performance from JJ as well, one of my favourite players mm. in the in the time. I mean, and um, 
But I mean, yeah, I think two weeks before uh, Fulham beat Man United at Old Trafford, um, and for the younger fans, Man United were good back then. Um, <laughs> You're back in the old days. <laughs> yeah, they were they were very good, and uh, I'm sure they know. But I mean, yeah, it was just I think on all round performance, and I think the thing that that epitomised um, a Charlton team was back in the day was we were we might not have been blessed with world class players, but we had loads of different people who worked hard. You know, people like Graham Stewart that people forget about when he used to play on the left hand side. Um, look at uh, Matty Holland, Scotty Parker, Prof. Jensen, they were quite central players, but we had a system, and um, even Lisby, you know, and uh, we had a system and we fit to it. And it was just one of those games that just really stood out. And, and I mean, for that game, just, I mean, Darren Prattley came on at the age of 18 for that game for the last 15 minutes. So, it's, it's talking how far back that is, I mean, he's now 34. <laughs> it's mad, isn't it? I mean, he was 18 when he came off the bench. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I just remember it so well because they were a really good side, and I, I don't know if it was—I think it was—I don't know if it was before or after that John Tigana. I think it might have been after. I'm not sure, but yeah, Chris Cameron was in charge. But yeah, I think for me, you've got to, mm. wins like that at home. You definitely need to try and remember those ones yeah. instead of the big glory ones. Yeah, and and they 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 became quite routine at a time, didn't they, Tom? I guess that I mean those home wins that you'd win against teams that were in Europe, they, they just felt like at the time they were almost normal. And obviously we had, that was the season we had Scott Parker absolutely running the midfield and came to, uh, was it was it Christmas that year he left or was it the year after? I forget. But, you know, players that we had in our side like that, um, we, we, it's, it's easy to forget how good a team we could have been. Now, of course, one thing you do have to say is that season we ended, we ended up finishing only three points off fifth where Newcastle... Uh, got the final UEFA Cup spot. I think Middlesbrough got one as well for winning the League Cup and they finished down in 11th or something. But that, that's up there with probably the closest we've come to tasting proper European football and that has to be one of the one of the major regrets you have from that Premier League era is that we never quite got into Europe. When you look at some of the sides that have made it, like even bloody Wigan and Millwall got European runs from, from getting into the Cup, um, that's probably the major regret that we never quite made it into Europe. Yeah, always. I think you look at and other teams like, you know, Newcastle did it, Bolton did it. There were teams that you were able to watch on a, a Wednesday or a Thursday night who, you know, you look at now and they're not the biggest. Well, you look at someone like Bolton, obviously they've dropped. But even teams like Newcastle who are still in the league, nowhere near that now. And you just think it's always going to be that question of what could have been, couldn't it really? Because it was that culmination of that Kirbishly era. And he would... He'd taken his time, he'd built his squad year after year and that was probably the pinnacle of it um, to get so close and then it slowly started to slide away after that and we always seemed to have those tough runs towards the end of the season, didn't we? That sort of, they were just what we would describe as a curvishly season, you know, start well and end up like that and um, yeah, that was as close as we ever got. Um, who's to say whether we'll ever get back there again, you know, the, the bigger the gap becomes now. So. Yeah, for younger fans, it might be hard to believe, but for us, it was just it was just brilliant to see us up there. Yeah, and Ben, just before we come on to your first game, I want to talk a bit more about Jonas and Johansson then, because obviously he was a player who got a, a brace in that game. At the time, I don't know, like with the likes of Johansson and Bartlett, the strikers we had, I don't know if we ever rated them quite as highly as we do now. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, I'd, I'd say you're right. I think with that whole team, as, as Nath was just saying, we had players like Graham Stewart, um, like up front, as you're just saying, Bartlett, Johansson, yeah, Jason Yule. Um, the, maybe at the time, because I guess we took it all for granted. Yeah. Um, 
as, as Tom was saying there, younger, younger fans kind of look now at those victories, uh, us winning to uh, get to fourth in the table. I guess we all took it for, for granted. And I remember Sean Bartley was such a great header of a ball. Um, Johansson was, was a player that could play up front, but as well, Curbs liked to play him on the wing and he was quite a pacey player. And some of the goals JJ scored, I mean, those uh, bicycle kicks he was quite renowned for. I know he scored about three or four of them. Um, but yeah, I think now we look back and we kind of think, do you know what? Yeah, like someone like Johansson, some of the some of the goals he put in and just his work rate as well. I think that epitomised a, a curvishly team around that time that he could put these players in different positions. And, and someone like Johansson just never stopped running. I always remember that. And and one of his main skills as well, I think, at the start of his career for us, he was always on like the shoulder of a defender and would love a ball over the top, similar to like how Darren Bent played. And uh, I remember at the start of his career, he scored quite a few like that, threw on goals and uh, landed past the keeper. But yeah, I think overall, I think we took it for granted. And now we're looking back at these games and thinking, do you know what? We, mm. we had a really good side then. Yeah, JJ, I think, scored also one of my favourite ever one-on-one finishes, which was in a, I think it was in a 3-0 win or a win up at Middlesbrough, or a game definitely up at Middlesbrough. And he went through on the keeper and he just did this little dummy just before he uh, he sent the keeper the wrong way. It was an un- unbelievable finish. I have to try and uh, dig it out. But right, let's go on to Ben's first game then. It's Fulham again, uh, actually, at the Valley. Now, as I said at the top, uh, unfortunately, not all of the games are going to have happy ending. This was Fulham uh, visiting the Valley on the 27th of December, 2006. Andrew sweeps this one in. is there with a header. Off the bar and turned in. Brian McBride in the right place to pick up the rebound from the Bocanegra header. From Thomas. And it's in from Ambrose. He's rattled it in off the inside of the post and charted a level. Tini Amy will be absolutely gutted because this is a really poor play. And Ben could get in here. He has done. The goal drought is over for Darren Bent. Chris Coleman will be furious. A big down the field now deal with it one of you kick each other do something but do not pass it by do not leave it for each other that is just what you don't do you kids in the school playground do that you'd be furious Alan Pardew could win as many as Reid managed in that short-lived reign and less full and frustrating late on and they could do here and the strike from Kedra is in and would you believe it Fulham have bounced back the third minute of stoppage time, and suddenly Alan Pardew's homecoming has been spoilt. Well, it's huge down below us as to what, why this is a free kick. I mean, why on earth is that a free kick for Fulham? Why on earth is it given to them? I have no idea, Rob. No idea. <laughs> so there you go, Andy Gray. Uh, not quite sure why Fulham got a free kick at the end there. Go on, Ben, it was your game. Tell us why you picked that one as one of your uh, most memorable matches from the Premier League era. Uh, yeah, I think why I went for it is that was one game, one of the, well, a number of games we've all come away from the Valley deflated. But I remember that, that's right up there for me, uh, mainly because of that decision uh, at the end. Uh, absolutely shocking. I actually watched it when you said about it. Uh, trying to pick a few games last night. I, I searched for it on YouTube and, and found it. And it's absolutely bizarre. Mm. I mean... It's like, you to describe it, it's like the ball was going out towards the, the touchline on halfway. 
I think it was uh, it was a lad we had for the Liverpool guy. Triore. Triore. I think it was Jimmy Triore possibly going for a challenge. Um, and now, without trying to split split the game down racial lines, Jimmy Triore quite clearly has a black hand. The Fulham player quite clearly had a white hand. It was a white hand that touched the ball, and somehow Fulham got given a free kick on the halfway line, which then got pumped into the mixer, and they equalised in the last minute, and uh, thus took uh, Pardew's uh, debut win away from him. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it was Thomas Razinski. Um I just absolutely crazy, and I just look at the the ref was Graham Powell, but um, it was you can see him looking at the lino uh, flags for it straight away, waving his flag. I mean, we were all cheering, thinking, "Oh, it's a throw, we've done it, that's it," and he flagged straight away, thinking, "What has he seen there?" And yeah, it bounces mm-hmm. down. And to be fair to Frank Quadru, he does finish it very well. But I mean, the game was quite surreal leading up to it. I think. Um, as Tom was saying in his game previously, uh, we had Les Reed in charge just before that, and it, it wasn't going very well with him. Um, and we wait, I think we were obviously just waiting for a manager to come about. Um, and didn't Curbs go to West Ham? Yeah, Pardew was sacked. Pardew got sacked, and we got Pardew. And at the time, I think as a fan base, we, we were all quite happy with that appointment. Um, and yeah, obviously it didn't work out too well in the end. But um, yeah, I think that game. I mean, how close were we to getting the three points? Absolutely mm. robbed there. And um, yeah. yeah, I think uh, Darren Bent scored a real strikers finish with uh, those defenders. The ball come over the top, didn't they? And the two defenders thought, "You're getting it, you're getting it." And Bent just nipped in and great finish, typical Darren Bent finish. And um, yeah, it felt like you know what? Here we go. We've had a bad start to the season. Things may be on the up here. Pardew looks like a decent choice of manager and yeah, got taken away from yeah. us so cruelly. Yeah, Nathan, so, it's, it's, uh, yeah. Nathan, it's easy to forget that when Pardew came in, because I think we then went on to beat Aston Villa a few days later with a last minute winner, funnily enough, that there was a real uplifting spirits around the place when Pardew came in and all of a sudden, like we genuinely thought that he was going to be the impact manager that could keep us up. Yeah, I mean, because obviously Pards was, um, he obviously had a stint at Charlton. Obviously, I know he had um, a stint with the Clowns down the road, but... Scored the winner um, in my first ever Charlton game, Pardew. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think that's probably what, I mean, even now, if you look at it, like Powell and Boya, there's that sense of that they know what Charlton's about. And I mean, he had experience, obviously, being at West Ham. And I think at the time, I think he couldn't really, I mean, there could have been other names mooted about, but I think it was probably a good appointment for us, really. And... Um, and it was just interesting to see, you know, how, how he would change it, how he'd use his experience. And, and like Ben said, it was obviously a gutting, gutting start for him. But I think even the performance itself, it just seemed like there was a bit of a spark and that it needed some bit of some fresh ideas and just needed a bit of, the players needed a bit of a kick up the bum, basically. And I think we got that. And um, so, yeah, to obviously lose it to some of those names, just bring back the memories, like Frank Quadru was a left-back, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, Brian McBride, Rudzinski, it's just mad, really, all the old names popping about. You've but... done a lot of reminiscing about Fulham so far, no? <laughs> I know, I know. That's what I mean. I'm not even, like, I don't, I've only met, I think, one other Fulham fan in my life. It's Dom. <laughs> but I mean, apart from that, but... Uh, <laughs> They, they, had some good, they had a good squad and they were like um, I mean going back I mean they were one of the I'm trying to think of like a team they would be like now so they're not like they had a bit of money didn't they um, obviously with Fired coming in so I'm just trying if you could compare them to a team now would you say what like an Everton maybe who's got a bit of money but they've never really done much with it yeah. um, 
I mean, that's the thing. If I could explain that to one of the younger, younger lot of listeners, but that's what I'd probably say they are. But yeah, no, they had a good team, and um, but in terms of part, yeah, I think at the time I thought it was a white appointment. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. I think everyone did at the time, but it clearly sort of went off the rails and then just accelerated and then you hear all sorts of stories about the sort of bloke Pardew was uh, uh, behind the scenes. Right, I'm going to bring in my first game now. Um, Takes us back to January 2005. Probably not one that too many will have uh, a memory of, uh, but it was very special to me. I think it's definitely the first and I think it's possibly the only time I was ever present uh, at a Cholton away game in the Premier League uh, that we actually won. That can't get the better of Weir this time. It's a poor ball from Horidison. Falls nicely for Matt Holland. Oh, it falls very nicely for Matt Holland. It didn't look like the best of crosses in the world, but it certainly was good enough for Holland. Matt Holland scored the only goal of the match on Charlton's last away victory. That was at West Bromwich Albion shortly before Christmas. And he scored a goal there again, which could prove decisive. So that was a Matt Holland volley at Goodison Park in January 2005. Um, we won 1-0 at Everton. And like I said, off the top of my head, I think there's a good chance that's the only time I ever saw us win away uh, in the Premier League. It's certainly one of a a very few. Um, Now, I don't know if any of you guys remember that match, Tom. I don't know if you have any memory of that match. So you might not be able to talk about the game specifically. But it was a wonder strike from Matt Holland. Um, And for a player who always felt like he was fairly, you know, not fairly tidy without ever being spectacular he did actually have quite a, a few decent goals in his locker Matt Holland didn't he Tom he was a brilliant player yeah and um, we'll go on to talk a little bit about the kind of Ipswich connection I've got in my family later with one of the games but one of those players that came from them so someone I knew a little bit about already and he was just one of them players who also been on the international scene and, and scoring goals for Ireland as well he was someone who you know, I always, growing up being a Charlton fan, was around people who supported bigger clubs and people didn't really know who Charlton were or knew them kind of as a Premier League team. But Matt Holland, and it sounds weird to say this, but he was one of those players that people actually knew because he was involved in international football as well. So, yeah, he was a, he was a brilliant player. He, he reminded me a lot of Kinsella. I don't know whether those two would have ever overlapped. I'm not sure. But um, he was just one of those players that I really enjoyed watching in the middle. And like you say, primarily functional, but... He always had a strike in him. And um, we've had midfielders like that over the time. You think back to Dale Stevens as well, who's, I would argue, a little bit more creative, but also had that strike on him. And, you know, Shelby before that. We've always had players who've had the ability to do that. And Matt Holland was definitely the one for that generation. And he had a few a few decent goals in him. Yeah, I remember a, well, a little chipped effort at home against Middlesbrough that was a good one. He also scored an absolute screamer away at Leeds. Uh, we played Leeds on the final day of the season once, drew 3 all, and he scored an absolute screamer. I think it's Matt Holland's birthday today, actually, as well. I think I saw that somewhere on Twitter. So happy birthday uh, to Matt Holland. Right, um, let's go back to Tom then. Uh, now, as I said earlier in the show... Um, not all of them are happy endings. In fact, uh, our one and only trip to the Emirates Stadium uh, back in 2007 was a bit, bit of a thumping. Who can get their first one back? Percy surely pulled back. He was a penalty kick and a red card. Harry Henry back in the side, back with his penalty kick duties against Scott Carson, who concedes his first penalty kick of the season. And Arsenal and their captain are back in business. Henry looking for the return to the fullback, Justin Hoy. Justin Hoyt for Arsenal, who doubles their lead just before half-time. And it might just get better. Here's Thierry Henry. And another penalty kick. Suleiman Diawara with 
with the foul. It's Robin van Persie, and that is unstoppable from the Dutchman. Arsenal finally get their third. Robin van Persie. Oh, lovely. A cheeky chip from Robin van Persie. It's his second. So there we go. A 4 0 defeat. Uh, at the Emirates Stadium again in our relegation season back in 2007 Osai Sankofa was sent off uh, in the opening stages as well so Tom a bit of an unusual pick why don't you talk us through that one yeah sorry about that <laughs> I, um, <laughs> going back to the uh, the El Kukuri chat I remember getting to the Emirates and watching everyone warm up and El Kukuri all he was doing for his warm up was just booting the ball miles in the air and then trying to control it when it came back down rather than doing anything defensive but um I think I picked this one out. Yeah, exactly. I picked this one out again because going back to the fact I didn't see that many games back then, I didn't see many of the big teams play charm, to be honest, not live anyway. So this was probably one of the few where I got to see what we call like a a proper big side. And again, like Nath said about United, Arsenal were were decent back then. Um, So to go to the Emirates and see a stadium that size, you know, I think I was probably 16-ish, 17 back then. Um, and to see players like Henri and Van Persie take to the field, it was it was just a real experience. You know, I probably hadn't been to that many away games as a Charlton fan. I'd done Ipswich and Norwich and some of the ones around Cambridge, but you know, not not massive games like a, like an Arsenal. Um, and it was just a, a real experience. Obviously, the result wasn't great, but also picking up on a point Benji made earlier about Pardew, I remember you could hear it, and I know the Emirates gets that reputation now as being quiet, but. You, we were singing Pardew's name all game, even when we were three and four nil down. And he was clapping the fans back from right over the other side of the ground. And there really was a belief that Pardew was still going to get us out of it, even back then. And there was like that unity. And, and I know the season didn't work out how we wanted, and it was the start of what's been a very difficult time for the club. But there was just a real sense that it's that charm sense that despite what was happening on the pitch and the results not going our way, there was kind of that togetherness between the club and the fans. And I think that combined with, with as I say, you know, trying to be a bit more neutral about it and seeing some of those incredible Arsenal players, it was just a, a very uh, memorable game yeah. for those reasons. And that was a that was a blast from the past, uh, Benji. The name Suleiman Diawara. Now he was one I forgot. I think I think he used to wear gloves pretty much all the time. Was that was that him? Do you remember much about that player? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that he wore uh, short sleeves and like. They weren't even proper gloves. They like you know when players wear like night gloves. They were like these black like strap on weird weird gloves. I remember he wore. Um, but yeah, I, I tell you what, he, I know um, fans were a bit miffed, weren't they? When Dowie came in, we seemed to give him quite a lot of money to spend, and uh, Diawara was. Uh, pro- I think he was the most expensive player in that summer. Um, I actually quite liked him. I thought he was quite good. Um, obviously, he didn't have that great of a game. Well, I say he couldn't have much to do when you got ten men and you're against Robin van Persie, Henri Fabregas, and that. But um, I quite liked Diawara. Um, obviously, his name works well with the "He Hates Millwall" song. <laughs> has obviously gone on for George Costa and a few others but um, yeah out of the signings I know we obviously signed Traore Diawara um, Hasselbank didn't we that year as well um, I thought he was quite um, quite a decent defender but yeah, we spent quite a bit of money on him and I don't think he stuck around for the season after I think he was quickly sold but mm. I thought he was quite solid yeah right one more memory before we go for our break at half time uh, and this one again, uh, a, a choice from Nathan again. 
I mean, it is, it is a very memorable game, uh, but very much for all the wrong reasons. This is Leeds United's visit to the Valley in April 2003. And now Smith and Kuhl and Leeds are ahead. Worked in for Smith who's gone over Rufus. It's a Leeds penalty. It is Ian Hart who scores. Viduka had a shot and scored terrifically well. And Leeds are turning the world on its head. 3-0 up before half-time. And this is the team that was heading down. Here's Parker. He's got over Radaby. And uh, Charlton have a penalty. Jason Ewell prepares to hit the spot kick. To give Charlton some hope. He has done just that. It's 3-1. And there's a minute to play before half-time. Well, Rufus and feeding Viduka, who scores. Renewed comfort for Leeds. Smith. Went over on the youngster challenge, and it is another penalty to lead. Viduka, five. Well, taken away from uh, Alcalej by Kuhl. And Kuhl's gone for goal. The afternoon that transformed Leeds United's lives. <laughs> there you go, uh, Nathan. A 6-1 home defeat against a relegation-threatened Leeds United side. Uh, well, I guess, I guess you don't really need to tell me why that one was so memorable. But happy Easter, everyone! For that one. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, no. To be fair, it was um, yeah, like you say. I mean, it was well, the worst game I've probably ever seen, um, especially at home. I mean, I know you've got like the Huddersfields away recent years, but, but there was a, there was a few reasons why I've picked that one. Um, I mean, first off, it was. I remember it was. I remember it was boiling, absolutely boiling, and uh, we were stuck in traffic. And I think the game was susp- it was like postponed by fifteen minutes. I think because of crowd congestion and um, we were coming down the A2 my dad was dropping me and my two cousins to go and watch the game and my me, me little cousin Dave and my older cousin Bobby and he was um, Dave weren't feeling out well anyway so Dave we were stuck in traffic on the slip road on the A2 as if you're coming into the chat like Rugby um, Way or whatever it is and he was that far up outside the car which was an experience <laughs> and uh, set the day up nicely yeah so he rushed to the ground you know got in there stifling up and then see us get thumped six one, which yeah. was. Um, but I mean, re- I mean, for me, I mean, I mean, growing up, I mean, Harry, obviously, he wasn't, you know, world class. It's not like Lionel or Messi, but Harry Kill for me was probably one of my idols. I watched when I was when I was younger. I was obviously a lot slimmer and a lot quicker. I used to play left midfield, so I used to base my sort of um, game around Harry Kill. And um, I just remember Peter Reid was in charge, and he, I think he was like caretaker manager or something, and like that. They were saying they were like they hadn't won away since Boxing Day, so I was going, going. I'm going to the game against you know a good you know a big big club like Leeds, thinking you know should win this one today, you know hopefully, and then they absolutely pasted us. Um, I just remember, yeah. So you you know you had Harry Kuehl, uh Danny Mills played, Ian Hart, Alan Smith for Duke, who was an absolute beast, um, and then. Um, yeah, James Milner made a sub app at the age of 18. So another one for the kids as well. He was 18 <laughs> when I saw him. It's mad how you think of it now, and he's still going at Liverpool. It's yeah. insane. But but yeah, it wasn't a great day for watching them. But uh, I think sometimes as a as a football fan, even though you might be on the on the other end of a pace, and if you're getting beat by a good team, and they they were a good good side. Yeah, they, but I mean, I mean they were relegation. That was, that's the bizarre thing. They were, they were relegation yeah. threatened that year, and they ended up going down the, the next year, despite the fact they had the, all these quality players throughout their team. I think they'd only a few years before been in the the uh, the, the Champions League semi finals. It was crazy how how a big club like Leeds would fall, but then just save their one massive pasting for us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean, like you say, there was a Champions League. You know, Bowie scored a blimmin' screamer against Milan, wasn't it? Or Juve? I can't remember which one it was. I think it was AC Milan. 
and like they were in the Champions League. But I think they were so. I think they were so. I think Bose has touched on it before in terms of how it was run off the pitch. I mean, money was getting thrown everywhere, and um, so yeah, I mean that for me. I mean, just looking at the team. I mean, I looked last night. I looked at the starting lineup for Leeds, and I was looking at it going, "Wow, like how how on earth can you?" You know, it's, I mean, I th- you could say something similar, maybe like Spurs, sort of, you know, Spurs fighting relegation or something like that now. They were a big team, big, big team. And, um, but yeah, even though we got absolutely pasted, it was the first game I come away and I was just like, I don't think I'd ever, I'd ever see us like get pasted at home. And, um, I don't think we've, I don't think we've been pasted at home since. Well, definitely not that bad. Um, well, I remember a 4 0 yeah, four nil defeat against Brighton in League One. Probably, probably, yeah, probably. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure yeah, there's many more that, than that was, as well. But was that was that New Year's Day that one? Oh, I can't remember. But um, yeah, is, is, I mean, is that the one with Kishishev playing? Yeah, I remember Kishishev playing for them. He played for Brighton, didn't he? Yeah, but yeah, so yeah, we have had some pastings. But yeah, that Leeds one. I, I remember sitting in that in that stadium. I used to say it was a boiling day, and because we were getting so heavily pumped. All the um the, the seats emptied out pretty quickly, but I remember we stayed to the end, and you're able to sit across rows upon rows of seats. And after a while, it just became sort of funny, uh, just seeing your team just get absolutely trounced at home by a team that was a uh, relegation threatened as Leeds United were uh, at the time. Right, we've reached the halfway point of our own Pride and Premiership memories. Uh, we'll have a quick break here on Charlton Live, and we'll be back in thirty seconds. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Cullen trying to take his man on. Chip ball back across. Bowers there. Pierce is there. Bowers with a header. And it's John. Yes! 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 Oh, he's got Oh, Patrick Barr. The absolute German beauty. Woo! Dream lads! Charlton have scored! With seconds remaining! We've done it all! Get in! Come on! What a time to be here on Wembley! Oh my word! Oh my word! Charlton Live! So welcome back. This is Charlton Live, the uh, our podcast, one of our social isolation busting podcasts. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. Our own memories, uh, an alternative look at some of our favourite memories uh, from Charlton's Premier League era. Don't forget, uh, the club are running the Pride and Premiership DVD uh, for free on Valley Pass and on YouTube this weekend. So make sure you sit down and have a watch of that as well and look at the top 20 Premier League games. We're looking at a different list. We're looking at our favourite memories, but avoiding the best ones. Try and bring you something uh, slightly different uh, to look at. Right, we're on to Ben's uh, second choice. Now, this is one of my favourites as well. Uh, a trip to the Stadium of Light uh, in February 2003. In by Jensen. 
Fish. Fortune went up. Mark Fish deflected it in. And that sums up Sunderland's luck right now. Not just one deflection, but two. Stephen Wright, the unluckiest man of all. Mark Fish had two bites at it. It hit not one, but two Sunderland players, first off flow, and then off the right heel of Stephen Wright. No way can Fish claim that. Has to go down as a Stephen Wright own goal. Kevin Lisby, Scott Parker, Chris Powell. This is good play by Charlton. Oh, it's another own goal! Michael Proctor! Twice in three minutes! This really is the stadium of fright. Jensen to take. Oh, it's got it again! It's another own goal! Michael Proctor for a second time. Three own goals in the space of seven minutes. Proctor seemed to turn his back on the ball as it came in from Jensen's corner and wasn't actually looking at it as it struck him on the back and beat the hapless Sorensen. <laughs> so there we go, Ben. Three own goals in seven minutes. Again, I think that one doesn't require too much explanation, but I mean, it was bloody funny at the time. And it's Sunderland must absolutely hate us as a football club because we mug them off all the time. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I was thought, I thought about the game and I thought, oh yeah, it's against Sunderland. <laughs> uh, poor Faz, but um, as we know, they are good losers. But um, Yeah, clearly. And, uh, <laughs> Dishing out three own goals. Yeah, on the video footage, I mean, the second own goal that, that poor chap Proctor scores, um, they, I'll tell you, he looks like he's about to cry when he scores that one. He just walks straight to the centre <laughs> circle with his head down. But they also pan footage to the fans and half of them are leaving. Yeah. Uh, I just looked, there was like over 30 odd, 35,000 of them there that day as well. And like, blimmin' heck, that was a... Uh, and had Howard Wilkinson as manager. It just wasn't going well for him. Um, and that first goal took two deflections. Mark Fish celebrated as if it was the best goal he'd ever scored. Probably was, to be fair. And did a big belly flop in front of the uh, our bench. And then, um, yeah, I mean, I was just watching uh, the highlights of it last night. And uh, the second goal that, w- that was scored... Uh, Chris Powell was like through on the left. He shoots, the keeper saves it, and then it deflects onto Proctor as he's running back. I mean, the, he couldn't do nothing about that goal, but the third goal, we just cross it in, and he turns his back on it. I don't, he, he just had a complete mate. He turns his back on it and hits his back the call, <laughs> from the corner and yeah. goes in. I mean,. Personally, I, I wasn't at the game. Um, I'm cheating a little bit with this one. I wasn't there, but I remember vividly sitting there um, at uh, Soccer Saturday, all ready to go. And um, one of those games, uh, i tell you what, I wish um, you could go back and watch old uh, Soccer Saturday shows. Yeah. And uh, I just remember Jeff Selling there and the other pundits just wetting themselves laughing. <laughs> they couldn't quite believe yeah. it. Because it was in the space of eight minutes. Yeah, oh, it's crazy, it's crazy. I mean, it's a Sunderland side that absolutely capitulated that season. You won't be surprised to find out they were relegated at the end of that season with only 19 points, which 
it isn't many more than Derby's record. What did Derby get when they went down? About 12 or something? But, I mean, Sunderland were absolutely atrocious uh, that season. I remember, I, I remember, I wasn't there either. I remember, going, like, I, I was listening to the game, I think, at home, and, and we'd gone 1-0 up, and I thought, oh, no, actually, I'm going to take a stroll up the road and go, like, go and get some chocolate from the corner shop or something. And in between leaving the house and fiddling with my little portable radio, trying to get my headphones in, and and I, I managed to get it get get the headphones in. I could hear you could tell from from the way the commentator was speaking that they were disappointed. But I just assumed it because we were still one nil up. And then the halftime whistle went. And he went right. That's half time. Then Sunderland nil, Cholton three. And I was like, what? Uh, what has happened here? I mean, uh, Nathan. Obviously, we mentioned Mark Fish there. Um, now again, I, I know sometimes we get a bit misty eyed about players from 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 the past, especially the Premier League era, but. In my memory, wasn't Mark Fish actually quite rubbish? From my memory, yes. <laughs> um, to be fair, I mean, the, the best... I mean, listen, you know, I don't know the guy, but the best thing he ever done, is I don't know if any of you two, any of you boys remember, is when him and Bartley come in, they used to do the South African warm-up. Yeah, the, when two they had the two lines, lines? yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. And honestly, if not, I'm trying to explain it. You had two lines, and it looked like they were doing a funky chicken dance, literally, <laughs> before the match. Honest to God, I'm telling you. I, yeah, they so, waved their arms big, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. If, if anyone has a video of it, like, send it in, because I ain't seen it in years. I, mean, I used to be infatuated with it. Every time they'd done it, I used to sit there in the stand, just watch it. Like, yeah, we thinking. used to all clap along, didn't we, when they used to do the, the clapping <laughs> arms bit. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, but yeah, I mean, Mark Fish. I mean, I mean, he done the job at some points. But I was just saying just earlier. I mean, I remember there was a game against West Brom. Another time, I think we, we might have been. I don't know if we were three 0 down at half time. I don't know, but it was against West Brom and Robbie Earnshaw, the one who done the old backflips. He was rapid. He was a good player um, for Wales international, wasn't he? But I remember he actually made Mark Fish look so bad that I think I, don't, I could be wrong. But it might have been the only time where Curbs like dragged someone off at half time for being that rubbish. <laughs> but um, but no, he was that, that game. He was bad. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, he had a good pedigree and stuff. I mean, with Fishy, and then um, and I think I think I think he got mainly got contract deals because everyone could do the fish thing on the big screen. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, yeah, he was, he was good memories of Fishy though. Yeah. And I mean, then he then he. Didn't he break his foot or smash his foot by kicking the dressing uh, the dining room table? Well, no, wasn't room, he the one who like gave himself quite a nasty injury by falling backwards through a glass uh, glass That's table it, yeah. or something? Yeah. <laughs> That's, there you go. Like a fish out of water. Right, let's uh, go Wee. on to my um, uh, my next memory, my second game. Now, uh, like Ben, I'm cheating a bit. I wasn't at this game. Uh, but again, I'll tell you I'll tell you why when we come back, why I have very good memories of this one. Uh, this was a visit again to Ellen Road uh, to, to play Leeds uh, back in De- uh, December 2002. Picking up now, Kuehl's on his way here. He's got a man left. It's Kuehl. He's going to go for goal. Is he going to go for goal or what? Terrific stuff from the Australian. It'll be Rowitz ball up here. Dewberry has to take care of this. It's dropped in. Great chance here. Lisby. Equaliser. Charlton level. With Kevin Lisby's first goal of the season. And Terry Venable shrugs his shoulders, puts his hands on his hips and wonders how on earth he's going to get a victory at the moment. Kevin Lisby has struck a dagger into the hearts of Leeds United. He had all the time in the world. And he bounced his shot wide of Paul Robinson. Here it is. Down into the ground, wide of the flailing arm of the Leeds United goalkeeper, and it's Leeds one. Jewell loses the possession. Parker forward. This is Charlton's opportunity. Still Parker. 
Can he finish? He can! Would you believe it? Would you believe it? Terry Venable slumps to his seat and Scott Parker may have won the day for Charlton Athletic here against a distraught Leeds United who simply cannot believe what is happening to them in life right now. Parker took the ball on beyond Woodgate, slipped it wide of Robinson, but you have to say the challenges were futile and Scott Parker has perhaps won a famous victory at Ellen Road for Charlton Athletic. So there we go. That's my uh, second pick. And uh, again, it's, uh, it's, it's a last-minute winner, Scott Parker, uh, up at Leeds. And again, one of the reasons why this was so special for me, very similar to the Blackburn game that Tom picked earlier on, uh, was basically I, I, was, uh, I was out from one of my brother's birthdays, like a, having lunch somewhere. Uh, and one of my other brothers texted us saying it finished one all. So as far as we knew, we the game had finished one all, and then we went home. And this was a Sunday game. I think I don't know if Leeds had been in Europe or for whatever reason it was on a Sunday. And they put the highlights on ITV when they used to have the highlights of the Premiership show on ITV about six o'clock. So we got in just in time to watch it. For oh, we watch we watch our goal, see our equaliser. Then afterwards. They just show Parker pick up the ball and run and put it into the bottom corner. So we actually got to celebrate it as if it was real time because we had no idea that we actually won the game. Uh, and then Scott Parker scored that winner against a lead side that were in all sorts of trouble. And as you could hear there, Terry Venables was a manager. And I felt, felt you feel sorry for old uh, El Tel there because he was, uh, I, I imagine he wasn't sacked too long uh, after that game. But I mean, great memories. And I guess, Tom, we have to talk about Scott Parker again because, I mean, that was one of his all-time great individual goals. He scored a couple like that as well as some long rangers. And it it does hurt you to say sometimes, but he was, I I think he was the best player I've ever seen in a Charlton shirt. He's definitely got to be up there, yeah. And um, I've spoken to Terry about this before. I'm a little bit too young to kind of understand the politics behind the move and the the anger that people had when he left. I get it now, but at the time when I saw him go and Abramovich had come in with all that money at Chelsea, to me it made sense. You know, you lose your best players to, to big teams and looking back now or if one of our best players now did that, I, w- I would probably be in agreement with a lot of people, but at the time it was just like, fair enough, off he goes. And looking back, I wonder if he thinks whether he made that move too soon or not. I mean, I know his Chelsea career didn't work out, but what he went on to do in terms of playing at other big clubs and captaining some big clubs and getting a chance at England, you know, I'm sure he's going to look back and think he had a pretty decent career. But yeah, I just remember he was, as you just said there, one of those players that I think Shelby was the same, although he probably wasn't at his peak when he was at us. He was just one of those players that could just do things on the pitch that the rest of the Charlton players just couldn't do. And uh, yeah, he was a, he was a joy to watch down at the valley. Yeah, and another name that was mentioned there, Ben, was Kevin Lisby. Now I started watching this Pride and Premiership DVD the other day. Just um, when all he said they were going, all he mentioned they were going to put it on. I thought I'd watch it and see what ideas we can pick up. But I was surprised by quite how often Kevin Lisby came up in that in that DVD. You forget how big a part perhaps that he played in our in our Premier League era, especially the first half of it, because. I mean, again, he was one of those players that had so much potential and, and sort of flattered to deceive at times. But he did have his moments, Kevin, and of course, a, a good equaliser there at Ellen Road that day. Yeah, I think as we spoke about uh, earlier when we were talking about Johansson, we had strikers that came in like Johansson, like Yule, like um, Svensson as such in those Premier League years. Um, but Kev was one of those uh, strikers that came through our academy 
And uh, with with regards to players coming through our academy, we haven't had many uh, strikers that have come through and have actually gone on to do better things. Um, with Lisby, as you say, he, he did pop up with some um, important goals in some big games. I remember uh, being at Stamford Bridge when he scored a last-minute goal there. Um, and I also remember being at um, Ipswich where he scored a last-minute goal there. That was a boiling afternoon. That was an absolute worldie, wasn't it? Yeah, that was the first away game of the season. And uh, yeah, that was a screamer. So I think he'll probably be beating himself up more than more than anything else rather than our fans giving him stick because you could see he had that potential there in him. He, he scored some great goals. Obviously, the best one he'll be known for is that hat-trick goal against Liverpool. Um, and he just never went on to do it, did he, Lesby? But um, he had it about him. And um, I think he did well in the lower leagues, didn't he? And... Um, I know he did well for late Nora and he became quite a legend there. But, um, yeah, it's a shame, really. But I guess um, there were a lot of other strikers around at the time that um, kind of uh, were, were more favourable at the time. But, yeah, he, he had it in him. I think supporters gave him a bit too much stick. But maybe that's because he came through our academy and, and we were hoping for more from him because he, he did show a lot of potential at times. But, mm. um yeah, he did come up with some big goals, to be fair to him. Yeah, right. Let's go then into our last round of games. This is Tom's final pick and, uh, well, a team that has uh, got a lot of local ties to him. Uh, Ipswich Town visited the Valley on New Year's Day in 2002. Ryerson gets up. That will come to Marcus Bentz. And Ipswich lead inside a minute at the Valley. Jilton was oh, an excellent through ball and it's set. Bentz away and Carney's committed. And Marcus Bentz... Doubles Ipswich's lead, and we have played just five minutes. Luke Young, testing throw. It's come down to Robinson, and Sereni can't deal with it. And Charlton have picked back their lead. John Robinson with the goal. Charlton with a free kick, which we take taken by Luke Young. The flick on from Fish. There's Parker. Well, Venus cleared it off the line. And the referee and linesman decides it had crossed the line. No doubt among the officials that Scott Parker has scored and Charlton have levelled it up at 2-2. That's super build-up play. Robinson with an opportunity to provide the cross. Lisbeth's header and it comes to Yule. And that will do nicely for Jason Yule. Suddenly, Charlton find themselves in front. Two down inside five minutes. A stunning comeback, and they lead at the Valley by three goals to two. So there we go, Tom. Well, a comeback victory against Ipswich, and for a, a team, obviously, your family has got very close ties with. That must have been a, a very special afternoon for you. Yeah, really special. And um, yeah, it was my it was my twelfth birthday that day. Um, so when we drew Ipswich on my birthday, which I think we, we've done a lot over the years, I was bugging my parents every day to get tickets for my birthday. And uh, it wasn't until the morning of New Year's Day I woke up and had my presents and my cards and there were the tickets in one of the cards and found out I actually was going. Even in New Year's Eve, they were they were kidding on that, that we hadn't got tickets. But um, when we got to the ground that day, we were split. So my, my grandma and my mum were in the, the Charlton half of the Jimmy Seed stand, but me and my sister and my dad and my granddad were in the Ipswich half. So two oh, ten minutes in, we're 2-0 down. I'm in tears, wishing <laughs> I hadn't gone. And, uh, yeah, it was just the worst birthday ever. And then I'll never forget every one of the Charlton goals that went in. My sister was jumping up, turning round, celebrating like mad amongst all these Ipswich fans. Lucky it was only Ipswich. But, um, 
to then go on and win, as you say, with the ties I've got with my family, with it being a birthday, with it being 2-0 down from the start, it was just a very special day for me. And I always treasure those games. As I say, the first game I ever went to was Charlton Ipswich with my granddad. He's an Ipswich fan, although he's kind of converted a little bit since Wembley. But um, yeah, just a real special kind of family occasion for me and, and something that football's always been about since I started coming. Now, one one bit that didn't make the highlight clips there, but I remember it so vividly and then saw it again when I went through watching the video to record the highlights, Nathan, was George Costa had his only ever goal in that game, but it was disallowed, so he never actually scored for Charlton. But we've got to talk about George Costa, uh, the tank uh, Portuguese defender who signed on loan for from Porto, if I remember, if I remember rightly, for the second half of that yeah. season. I mean, uh, that's when we knew we'd arrived in the Premier League, when we had a player of his calibre uh, turning out for us week 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 by week. Yeah, I mean, I mean I'm surprised. Um, it's a shame, really, because I remember... Uh, do you know what it's weird because if I think back to it I mean watching George play which I think was might have been 2002 maybe I'm not sure yeah 2002 in, but, end of that season yeah. yeah so I was what year 10 so I was about 15 16 it was the first time I remember looking at um, it sounds a bit boring but you know if, when you watch football everyone's in you know the exciting forward thinking the attacking element he was the first player I remember looking at and appreciated how good a, an art defending was and I mean he was only there for a short period like you say but he was he stood above everyone and I mean he read the game um, he was just unreal and he was like you say he was an absolute machine and you could tell he come from a good pedigree from Porto um, and yeah, I mean that era. I mean, I, I think it was the same. Gary Rowett was there as well, but he got a bad injury. I don't know if it was due to that when George came in. But yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of how, how I can explain it to people that don't who never see him play. I would say it's like you being. I mean, because he was he wasn't like really really well known, was he? But he he had the Euro, Euro, European wide. He had the reputation, but in England it was like, oh yeah, he's quite a good player. But he was unbelievable, and I I don't think I remember him losing many battles. And then you had you had some good forwards in them days as well in the Premier League, and uh, yeah, no, he was an unreal defender, unreal defender, and he he had a, he went on to do have a good uh, coaching career as well, was through Porto and the Olympics and stuff like that. So. Um, but yeah, no, he was a, he was a great little defender. Nice. Well, he wasn't Millwall. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, he had the nickname The Tank, didn't he? Right, let's go into Nathan's uh, final game then. So this is a trip uh, up to the Stadium of Light again. This one uh, comes in August 2005. Murphy got his foot in. Ambrose, no offside here. Darren Benford, Charlton, the angle's disappearing. Needs help. Murphy's there. It's Benton, he scored. Took his time, picked his moment, and found the back of the net. It's a debut goal for Charlton's Darren Bent. Welsh, it's done well. Oh, magnificent save, but the rebound's in. And Sunderland a level. It's hurt, Stephen Wright. Oh, it's a red card. Ambrose is sent. Will it be Harideson? with a left-footed hammer, or Murphy with a right-footed curler. It's Murphy. Oh, what a goal! Aren't too many better free-kick takers around than Danny Murphy. Ryan Hughes away, and Bent will chase this. Caldwell is back. It's Bent, and it's three. What a super finish from Darren Bent. 
Brian Hughes it was with the clearance. Only Bent and Caldwell were up there. Bent had no help and needed no help. Yeah, so there we go. Darren Bent absolutely bursting onto the scene. His first Premier League appearance for Charlton. Uh, his debut, of course, with, with two goals. And that was an opening day of the season, Naif. And uh, I mean, it was it, it was it was the sort of opening day that fills you with a lot of hope. Well, yeah, I mean, and that's that's exactly why I picked it, mate. I mean, like we said, we haven't picked the um, like the Arsenal, the Spurs, and the Chelsea's and that. But I mean, if you looked at that, the whole performance, all wound it, you know, it was a, it was a great performance, and and it was the it, it was a moment. Even though, like you said, it's the first game of the season, when you looked at the team and how it was set up, I started sitting up thinking, well. We could do something here, do you know what I mean? But um, I mean, in the summer we signed Bents, both of them. I think we signed both of them in that season. So I think Powell came in, didn't he? Did Chris Powell come in that season? Um, Ambrose, and then the unsung hero, which I think um, I think he was, he was at the club the other day, wasn't he? Alexis Merton. Mm. Got, we got him on loan from um, from Chelsea. Another a brilliant, brilliant player. And I mean that middle. Um, we had obviously as the highlights said, you know, Ben scored the you know an early early debut debut goal uh, goal from obviously Ambrose, and then Ambrose got sent off on his debut. Murphy putting a you know a trademark free kick like his first ever free kick he scored to Liverpool and Man United and that sort of stuff. Um, but I mean, just on that day, I remember you had the thing is, is you had Murphy and Smerton in the middle, and then you had a converted Radisson Kishishev in that sort of that anchor role, which when he first got, came in. Um, under Kerbs he played at right back and I must admit I didn't really rate him I didn't really he just seemed a bit off the pace he seemed to get get beaten he was quite he was exposed a lot and he was I found him quite a bit of a passenger he wasn't offering much going forward and then um, there was and the Kerbs sort of put him in the middle and he was like he had a new lease of life you know he was like um how can I explain? He was like a little Jack Russell, wasn't he? He was, <laughs> he was always nipping at your heel, and he was. And then towards the end of his career, which when he came, well, I said earlier, when he came back with Brighton, he got a, a standing ovation because he he put so much effort in, and he was one of those hundred percenters. But but I mean, um, yeah, he was just energetic. And then you had people like Murphy, who got set pieces, and his technical ability, smirting, you know, clever, dictated tempos of the games. He let in, what what Smerton used to do is he used to do the ugly stuff, keep it simple, and give it to the people like the Murphys and the and the Ambroses to go and you know crop with their craftsmanship and try and do stuff on the ball. But um, I mean that's when, for me. I mean that's why. I mean and that season, I think it was that season, is where Murphy was in. The, I think he was in the top three in terms of assists and key passes, and he ended up going to Spurs. Yeah, um, in the but, in the January transfer window as well. Yeah. There's another one of those ones where it went right down to the uh, to the wire. Uh, but unfortunately, Danny Murphy left, and uh, well, it was that season, was it? Ben's first season. We started off so well. I think I think we were second around like October still, or something ridiculous. We ended up finishing thirteenth. Kirbyshire would go on to leave at the end of that season, uh, and we go on to get relegated uh, the next year. Right, let's uh, get Ben's last one. Um, this was this was uh, when Ben mentioned it, and he. he it was only when he mentioned it that it reminded me of it, but I remember this being a real fun game. Like, there's certainly a real fun end to the game uh, when Everton visited the Valley uh, towards the end uh, of December 2004. Swept in by Murphy. Ryerson lost out. And Charlton have taken the lead. It's Talal Al Kakori. It's a straight red card. And it's a straight red card for Duncan Ferguson. Right, so a long throw here, Ferguson being held, but the elbow there 
right in the face of Haradison. He goes straight down, and the referee, Mike Riley, gets that spot on. Swept in by Murphy. And they've got a second goal. It's Herman Haradison. Danny Murphy's corner, not dealt with properly. Headed out, Haradison in the back post. Let's fly with that left foot, keeps it down well, adjusts his body well. Beats Tony Hibbert in that back post. Uh, so there we go. Two goals in the final 10 minutes and a red card uh, for Duncan Disorderly Ferguson there. Uh, Benji, why was that on your list as well? Uh, I guess it goes down to um, what Nath was saying. Like We remember the Arsenal, the Chelsea, the Tottenham games. Uh, we, as an underdog team, going against the odds, winning those games, and they, of course, get the plaudits. But at the time, I read the report, Everton were going for second place that day. If they would have beaten us, they would have gone second. And obviously, we're talking about late December. It's 28th of December, that game. But we ourselves, I can't remember where we were. We were definitely fifth or sixth around that spot at the time. And uh, going into it, they hadn't lost in eight. Um, and, and we were in good form ourselves, but um, yeah, it was a big game. And uh, yeah, I, I remember the atmosphere just being electric, and especially when um, we went 1 0 up from Tom's favourite player there, Mr. El Kakuri. <laughs> and uh, that, I just watched the goals back before uh, before we came on, and a great ball across from Koncheski for, uh, for the goal. He, he really had a good left foot on him. And uh, yeah, as you said, Mr. Duncan Disorderly. Uh, I was my old season ticket was nine rows back from uh, Curbs's dugout, and uh, literally he'd only been on the pitch uh, Ferguson for nine minutes, and uh, we know what kind of player Horidison was for us. He was a real fans favourite. He gave it hundred percent, and uh, I don't think you'd want to come up come up against him. He was a real ferocious character, wasn't he? So I think he'd got into Ferguson's skin, uh, was winding him up a bit, and then. Uh, Oh, it was terrible what Ferguson did. He literally just full-arm elbow, bang, right into Horizon's face. And that's why I felt, uh, it felt like uh, justice was served when Horizon then got the second goal a couple of minutes later and did that superb celebration, just a forward roly-poly. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that as well. I remember, um, I don't know if anyone else would be able to remember, but in the programme before that game, there was something about uh, a column, it might have been from a fan, saying our celebrations these days are a bit like light-hearted and aren't that great. Um, I remember El Curry always used to do the arms-out kind of celebration and run over. But for his goal, he did that, but then ran round loads when he did it. And then Horidison scored, and then obviously did that front kind of flip that was in slow motion. This <laughs> is really slow. But that was a fantastic finish by Horizon. He just squeezed it in at the far post. Great volley. And uh, yeah, and, and as the boys have said about similar games, that kind of felt like, here we go. The season before we finished seventh and we kind of just missed out. But th- that season, if we just beat Everton, who were in great form themselves. And uh, we thought, oh, here we go. This, this could be it. And uh, no, that was one of my favourite uh, ever days down the valley. That was mm. a great atmosphere. And um, yeah, watching Ferguson get sent off after being on on the pitch for nine minutes was uh, was quite funny as well. Yeah, right. So let's go into our final um, Pride and Premiership alternative list. Uh, my final pick. Uh, this was uh, at the Valley. Again, uh, 2001, Leicester uh, came to the Valley and we saw one of the most bizarre incidents we've ever seen uh, in Charlton's Premier League era. 
The home win against struggling Leicester City was anything but straightforward. Steve Brown's first-half handball was deliberate, according to referee Mike Dean, despite his ankle giving way in an awkward fall. The red card delivered to the stricken Brown incensed the crowd. And Superstore merchandising catalogues then rained down in demonstration from all sides of the valley. Leicester's players saw the funny side, but things would get worse for them as Charlton's management helped to clear up the mess. Numerical advantage wasn't to be Leicester's for long, as Junior Lewis clashed with Jonathan Johansson. Hardly X-rated stuff, and definitely a case of evening things up. Peter Taylor was flabbergasted. His job was on the line. Charlton's strikers put him out of his misery. Bartlett wins the header. Powell is onto it. He's got around Marshall and delivered a fantastic cross onto which is Jonathan Johansson to establish a lead for Charlton Athletic. Here's Johansson. And there's Bartlett. 2-0 Charlton. Sean Bartlett slithering in at the back post. And you would think taking the home side out of reach of hapless Leicester. So there we go, a 2 0 win over Leicester City quite early on uh, in that season. It was in September. Uh, 2001. I, I'm fairly confident Peter Taylor was sacked pretty soon after that as well. So another uh, another manager given the old heave ho by Charlton, but of course remembered for the bizarre incident where and whoever was in charge of marketing at the time must have been gutted because they spent all this money. And you know this is before that the internet, I guess, was was widely available and and still a lot of advertising was done. You know, in catalogues and and via paper, and they'd stuck, they'd printed off all these catalogues for the club shop and stuck them on every single seat. And then uh, Steve Brown was sent off by Mike Dean. I believe that was Mike Dean's first ever red card in the Premier League. Uh, and everyone decided that he shouldn't have been sent off because, uh, according to Steve Brown at the time, he was seriously injured. He was fine. He was sent off after falling over. He got stretched off. And as they lifted up the stretcher, Mike Dean showed uh, the red card for the deliberate handball um, just outside the area. Uh, on came all the uh, the brochures. They were thrown on. It was really funny. I remember I, I was in the Jimmy Seed stand um, in the Charlton half of it. And uh, I think it was Ian Walker would have been the Leicester City goalkeeper picking up a copy and leaning against the post and sort of reading it and nodding his head, sort of taking the mick of it. But really funny. And then obviously, uh, I think Junior whatever his name was, got sent off for, for Leicester, which was never a red card. Uh, but it was, you know, it was, it was a feisty game. We ended up winning it uh, by two goals to nil. Now, the funniest part about that is, of course, if anyone's ever heard Steve Brown talk about that incident, is he now can admit that he was just faking it. He wasn't injured at all. He went down. He was just thought if he stayed lying down on the pitch for long enough, maybe the referee would give him a bit of leeway and only only book him if he was being stretched off. Um, but no, he got sent off and then the physio forced him to wear a boot for the rest of the night, even though Brownie knew uh, that there was absolutely uh, nothing wrong with him. So there, that was one of my favourite uh, guys. Were, were, were any of you guys there throwing stuff on the pitch? Because I remember at the time my dad wouldn't let us throw our books on. Did anyone throw their one on? Yeah, I, I did. didn't. I didn't throw uh, mine. I was in West Lower, so one came over the top. So I said to my dad, oh, can I throw this one? And I just loved that one, <laughs> but I kept my one. Yeah, Nathan, did you throw your one then? Oh, 100% I did. <laughs> 100%. I, I was with my cousin Bobby, and I remember I remember it vividly. And it was just like, because back in the day, you used to have, um, you didn't, I, I don't know if it was the season ticket book that was yellow. I don't know if it was that season, but you used to have 
yeah, listen, kids, you didn't have none of this carpet. You had to rip out a bit of paper and give it to people, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's how it used to work. But I remember we were thinking this, I should chuck this out. I was like, cousin was like, no, you won't be able to get back in. <laughs> so it's just like, like you said, that that was one of the weirdest, the weirdest situations because then everyone was going mad thinking, oh, you know, that's really nasty of you, Mr. Dean, isn't it? But, um, uh, but yeah, no, it was a bit of a surreal experience. But obviously, we've seen loads of things go on pitches now, anyway, haven't we? So we're yeah. used to it down the valley now. There was a forerunner for all the protests that would come many, many years later. Right, look, I, I've, uh, I think we've come to the end of this week's uh, Charlton Live Pod, our own alternative Pride and Premiership uh, DVD version uh, of our, our favourite games from the Premier League era. Just trying to steer clear of some of the more obvious ones. So I hope you've enjoyed it. Thank you uh, to Tom, to Nathan and to Benji for joining me on the pod this week and sharing your, your favourite Premier League memories. Cheers, boys. Cheers, Cheers Louis. Uh, so I've, I've been Louis Mendes. I hope you've enjoyed it. We'll be back next week. We're going to try again something slightly different next week is currently the plan. Uh, we'll let you know a bit more uh, next weekend. But I hope you've enjoyed uh, this week's pod. I've been uh, Louis Mendes. Thank you for listening all the way through to the end. And we shall speak to you again next week. We'll see you later. <laughs> Want truly hydrated skin? Medocia's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER.